Welcome to the Triple Point Podcast, a podcast for those working at the intersection of weather and climate, technology, and society. We focus on innovators and leaders working to make our community safe and resilient in the face of a dynamic and ever-changing world. I'm your host, Jeff Cunningham. My co-host, Ryan, is off traveling around the Appalachians with his family. As Ryan said in the last episode, we're trying out different episode formats. In episode two, The Heat Is On, Ryan presented a five-minute lightning podcast on the latest societal, technology, and climate news regarding the oppressive heat affecting different parts of the globe. In this episode, I'll try a new format that will be a little bit longer than the lightning episode, where we focus on a particular type of technology and its impact on society. You've heard it said that data is the new oil. This quote was supposedly coined by British mathematician Clive Humby in 2006. Regardless of the source, tech trendsetters have been claiming for over a decade that data is currency in the new digital economy. Not only is data lubing up the economy, it's causing explosions. It's true that the large tech companies have been amassing and collecting data on consumers and the internet for many years. Collectors of this data monetize it through generating insights for advertising and grabbing attention across the internet. With these big data collections, tech companies learn an immense amount about human purchasing, driving habits in your car, and social vices, amongst other things. The insights learned from the mass data collection drive behavior around the globe for both good and bad in terms of societal impacts. Now, what if these big data processing tools and techniques were applied to the earth sciences? Well, you may know this is well underway, but you may not know how many of these platforms are available. There's been an explosion of big earth observation platforms. Users of these platforms are making observations about the earth's systems from deforestation, climate change, wildfire, and many other factors that are affecting the earth. These cloud-based platforms leverage the commercial clouds, large data storage, data processing, distributed computing, and networking capabilities to make insights about practically any of the earth's systems. You may be surprised who's getting involved in building these platforms. It's not just the commercial cloud providers themselves. Although that is interesting to me because where there's smoke, there's often a fire. It's also a mixture of the other commercial data companies that are out there that supply information to other commercial sectors. These big earth observing efforts began through various open data initiatives with the government or commercial arrangements where the operators of the big data platforms offered to store and make available the satellite based or remotely sensed observation data from platforms such as the Sentinel, GOES, MODIS, VIRS, and others. There are several different types of entities playing in this space. You have your commercial cloud providers, your non-governmental entities. You also have open source initiatives and commercial companies that uh, provide geospatial intelligence. First up, you have Google Earth Engine. I'm most familiar with this because I have a couple Google Cloud certifications. Though Google Earth Engine is not to be confused with Google Earth, this is a different platform that provides a data catalog of satellite data, allows you to write JavaScript applications for processing the data, 
and it allows for an easy connection with Google Cloud through standard RESTful APIs. There's Earth on Amazon, according to the website, and I'm not as familiar with this, but they look to have a lot of open data initiatives. But I, I'm questioning, does Amazon have a cool platform name? Because I couldn't find it. Microsoft has the planetary computer. It combines, according to their website, a multi-petabyte catalog of global environmental data with intuitive APIs, flexible scientific environment that allows uh, users to answer global questions about their data. This seems most similar to what Google Earth Engine is offering. In the non-governmental space, you have Sentinel Hub. They say they make satellite data easily accessible to you for you to browse and analyze in your own environment. This next one's a mouthful. System for Earth Observation Data Access Processing and Analysis for Land Monitoring, S-E-P-A-L. That's a mouthful, allows users to query and process satellite data quickly. Another one is called J-E-O-D-P-P, the multi-petabyte cloud storage data services and data analytics for policy support. And it looks like it's supported by the EU. So this is interesting because it has a specific application that is geared towards governing, which is uh, pretty interesting. You have PIPS Cloud, which is out of mainland China, and it's a high-performance cloud computing for remote sensing big data. You have Descartes Labs, which is a commercial geospatial intelligence company, and they have a platform and professional services available. And in the open data framework or the open frameworks, you have OpenEO, which is like a single API to rule them all. So. If you think about these commercial cloud providers and you see these other data companies, the, the modern standard practice is to make your data and services available through APIs. And this open EO appears to be a front end to access the multiple big earth observing platforms. You should dig into that if you're, if you're interested in that. And then the other open framework is the open data cube. And I'll admit, I find this the most interesting concept. It's an open source geospatial data management and analysis software project, according to them, that helps you harness the power of satellite data. And so I think it allows you to basically instantiate your own big data platform. So you can see there are different approaches with different functions and applications. Some of these are European based, most are US based, and at least one PIPS cloud is based in mainland China. What are the standard features and common characteristics of these platforms? That's a great question that I think the market will ultimately answer. But if I were to take a wag at it, some standard features or features that should be standard are developer SDKs, those are software development kits, APIs, no or low code, app development options. There probably should be some geospatial tools and support for geospatial data standards like OGC. GIS and other, you know, common earth data formats. I think open data cube and open EO are a little unique and different from the other things I listed because uh, these are open source and you can probably deploy them to your own infrastructure or other clouds infrastructures. The different people using these platforms, they range, right? So initially a lot of these platforms were open to academics or governments. Now they are becoming open to the general public, although 
Oftentimes you have to have an invitation or you have to apply for access. Increasingly, they're becoming available to the common commercial sector where customers who are interested in sustainability or economic value from this data, such as deforestation for a, defore for a forestry company or managing wildfire risks, such as insurance companies, can access this data to make their insights. I could spend hours on each one of these companies or the different approaches, but let me hone in on a single takeaway. Some of us old weather forecasters know that data and insights are perishable. If the forecast is available after the valid time, it's no longer useful for most customer applications. I imagine the market value of insights for this type of data is similar. In a book called The Economics of Data Analytics and Digital Transformation, Bill Schmarzo says that if organizations are ready to embrace that data is the new oil and that data is the most valuable resource in the world, the single most important question for organizations is answer, how effective is our organization at leveraging data and analytics to power business and operational models? I would say it goes one step further. My thesis is that it's not just who can amass the largest data collections and make insights and how effective they do that. Those are two important things, but it's also who can derive the most economic value from the data they amass. I think the game changer quality is the speed arbitrage. You know, who can get their insights to the market faster? And I think you also need to be able to do it without generating too much additional cost to the environment. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you're interested in learning more about these platforms, you can go to their websites. I listed their links in the show notes. Ryan and I are interested to hear your thoughts about any of the platforms I discussed or any additional platforms I didn't discuss on this episode. And finally, one disclaimer, my mention of these platforms does not mean an endorsement from Ryan or I. Give us feedback on this episode or any other episode at Triple Point Podcast at 81degrees.com. That's triple point podcast at 81degrees.com.